Uh, one man who was all over cricket in this state, in this country, and the world. Maybe he's got the best job in the world. Maybe. Zorks, yes. He's also the unashamed president of the Michael Noosa fan club. I'm speaking of none other than Barrett Sanderace, and he's on the phone. Barrett, very good morning to you. What a week it has been in the cricketing world, especially here in Australia. Good morning. Uh, good morning, guys. Yeah, it certainly has been. Uh, and not just on the field, off the field. Uh, former teammates at war, uh, bat-offs in the middle. I mean, we used to see the bat-off. But most importantly, Michael Nisa playing cricket. Like you said, hashtag <laughs> Nisa must play is back on the road. <laughs> hashtag Nisa must play, exactly. And look, we're hoping he does play tonight at the Gabba. The the idea behind this, he was selected for the Prime Minister's eleven, uh, but was pulled out because he was a bit sore uh, after mm. playing the Shield match. But... The reason he could play tonight is it's well, it's four overs bowling as opposed to four days in the field for the Prime Minister's 11. Let's tap into the teammates at war, Barrett, because you have been front and centre at this. I mean, I guess you've been a bit like the UN, uh, the, the the peacekeeper, the, the overseer, because when Mitchell Johnson spoke after his column on his podcast – you were there in the room with him asking the questions. We've heard what Mitchell Johnson's got to say. What, what I'd like to get from you, Barrett, just the, the feel, the vibe. H- how is he? How's he holding up? What was, his, what, was his, what was he like in person? Mm. Uh, no, I mean, look, uh, you're right. Um, I was Switzerland. I've always been Switzerland, though, in a good way. I've never <laughs> been there, but like, yeah, that's the role I play uh, generally in life. But uh, no, this is... Look, we've been doing the podcast for over a year now. It's a podcast about his life, his times in cricket, and it is a fascinating life. Let's just uh, face it. Uh, but I think once the, that article came out, uh, we just had to, you know, we had to uh, talk about the, the elephant in the room, or like I said somewhere else, it felt like a, a herd of elephants just sitting in our room. Um, and uh, it was more about giving him a, a voice to. Uh, uh, or he already has the voice, but giving him the platform to talk about why he wrote the piece and were the elements in it that, uh, you know, looking back, he would have left out or he should have left out. Uh, and, and on the face of it, I, I told him very honestly that I don't agree with his opinions, but that's the beauty of opinions, right? Everybody has one and uh, you are allowed to stick by it. Uh, yeah, and I think he was he was pretty genuine. He was honest and he, he, he made himself pretty vulnerable as well, like he always does. That's, that's, uh, uh, was one thing, one reason we really do get along about how um, open and transparent he is with how he's feeling. And uh, yeah, I mean, he, obviously you could make out that, uh, you know, there were uh, some aspects of it, the messages he received from those two, David Warner and George Bailey, um, had not gone down well with him. And that kind of reflected in the personal angle to that piece, uh, which in hindsight, he said the tone could have been different. That's the thing. It's a, it's a fair grudge to hold. I mean, that was back in, what, April that, that those texts came through and they haven't been able to sort it out. I know David Warner's had a fair bit on his plate, but it, it, do you think, Barrett, that there could be a chance of burying this, of sorting it out, or is this just going to keep simmering along for uh, time mm. and eternity? Uh, hopefully not. Uh, look, uh, you know, these are guys who spend time on the road as brothers. You know, they've, they've won World Cups, won Ashes series, and um, did so much together, uh, and just because they're not in that dressing room anymore together, doesn't mean that you know these kind of um, uh, issues can't be sorted out in the long run. Because 
you know, the bigger picture, uh, the, these are minor squabbles, if you think about it, right? Yes, they can get a little personal. And, and I think we've all experienced it in our respective workplaces where, uh, you know, or, or in our dressing rooms that we've been part of where we just don't get along with some people. Yes, on the on the field, once you go past that that rope, uh, if you're playing cricket, uh, you will give your life to your teammate. Uh, but does not mean that you have to be best of friends off the field. But, uh, you know, but just it, the ugliness ne- uh, needs to be sorted out in, in the long run. Uh, because, like I said, like that's how I think about it anyway. But that's what makes me resilient. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, Barrett Sandrason, our guest this morning, uh, talking all things cricket, front and centre with the Mitchell Johnson podcast uh, after his column on David Warner. Uh, Barrett, you just said you, you didn't agree with, with Mitch. Which which parts, all of it, um, you're saying David Warner should be front and centre and should be able to be afforded his farewell? Oh, I totally do. Uh, look, I was at the Ashes and uh, I know you can look at his numbers and say, oh, look, he's not... Uh, really pulled his weight, especially uh, because you, he's been opening alongside Osman Khawaja, whose numbers have been extraordinary in the last 18 uh, months or so, ever since he became an opener, ever since he made that dramatic comeback at uh, uh, the SCG against uh, England uh, two summers ago. But uh, I, I saw what he did in, in England during the Ashes. I mean, his contributions, even though he didn't get a big score, David Warner's uh, uh, impetus that he provided to the mm. innings uh, allowed Usman Khawaja to just bat the way he does uh, and, and gave Australia some crucial starts in a country where opening the batting has been the most difficult in the last five years. And, uh, and by that, I mean England. Uh, so I thought he had done enough. And it also, look, I know people have said, oh, there are three guys waiting in the wings, but uh, none of those three have really broken the door down, haven't they? I mean, yes, Cam Bancroft has been averaging really uh, in, the, in the high 50s, but he's had a taste of test cricket before. The selectors know what he has to offer. So, and it's it's a case of three more test matches. And, you know, David Warner, in my opinion, is one of the, the, the all-time greats for not just in Australian cricket, in world cricket. Um, and, and whether you want to call it a farewell or not, uh, at the moment, if he wants to play three more tests, you just give him three more tests. I totally agree, Barrett. I, I couldn't agree more with you on that. You mentioned those three guys. If you were to pick one right now to come and replace Dave as we speak, who do you think would be leading that? Oof, among just if if you ask me to stick to those three, um, uh, I I think I'll go with Matt Renshaw, and the only reason I say Matt Renshaw is the the way he's been able to evolve his batting in the last few years. Yes, he spent uh, what three seasons in the middle order, where I thought he really improved his play against spin um, on Australian pitches. For now, uh, yes, I mean you, you throw him into the deep end like Australia did on those rank turners in India. I think most people would get found out. Uh, but I just think he has the gears to his game to complement Usman Khawaja. Because, yes, I mean, you can look at numbers of uh, for e- each one of those guys. But what is most important or what will be most important for the next 12 months or next 14, 16 months anyway, till the time Khawaja continues with Test cricket, is who, who complements him at the other end. And that's why the Khawaja-Warner combination works. They, they did that beautifully for each other. So I think that will be uh, as crucial a factor as any. Uh, but if you want to look outside those three, I've always felt Cam Green as the temperament and the technique to go and open the batting. And number six just doesn't, has never seemed like the right position for him. There's a lot of talk of him going up to number four, but Steve Smith's not giving that up anytime soon. Yeah, exactly right. Hey, Barrett, before we go, uh, Prime Minister's 11, what have you made of Pakistan? Their uh, first look at Australian conditions yesterday. 
Australian conditions, which would have felt a lot like Pakistan, hot day, flat pitch, yeah. and I'm so glad Michael Nisa is not playing that game. <laughs> it didn't look like a pitch you want to be bowling, bowling on. But no, great sign. I mean, always good to have a Pakistan team or any team, uh, and the visiting captain scoring runs yeah, in the lead up in in the warm up game. Look, so much drama unfolding behind the scenes in Pakistan cricket, like always. Uh, but at least they have uh, Inshan Masood, someone who's measured and is calm and cool. And he's got runs behind his back. But the, that uh, pitch at the Optus next week will feel nothing like what they faced at Canberra. Uh, but at least it's good that they carry some confidence into that game. Yeah, exactly right. I'm just looking at David Warner's numbers against Pakistan too, Zorks. What about this? Uh, averages um, uh, around 45 uh, in Test cricket. Against Pakistan, that average... 83 and yeah. a half. So the mm. last time they were out here, the triple century, 335 knot. And before that, at the Gabba against Pakistan, the first test was 150-odd David Warner. I'm just trying to remember. So he goes all right against Pakistan. Uh, so does Barrett Centre Race. And Barrett, appreciate uh, your time this morning. Thank you for stepping us through it and peering behind the curtain.